Good Friday morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Maura Z, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, April 20th. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at um, page 53. We are reading from the third paragraph, starting arrived at this point, reading through two paragraphs, ending at the top of 54, with been involved all the time. And today's readers are 12 Steps, KDG, 12 Traditions, Gen A, and our readers of the text are Barbara E. and KDG. Our newcomer greeter will be Robin S. and Penny C. will be the host of our second hour. The reference numbers for yesterday's meetings, the 7 a.m. share ID is 11314. And yesterday's 10 a.m. share ID is 11316. OA's preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And Katie G., would you please read OA's 12 steps? Good morning, Maura. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. <clears throat> Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, 
Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks, and I pass. Thanks for jumping in, Katie G. Appreciate the service. Jen A., would you please read the 12 traditions of OA? Good morning. My pleasure. My name is Jen A., recovered compulsive overeater, anorexic and bulimic from Colorado. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Jen A., for doing service. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. At about 10 seconds before, I'll give a gentle reminder. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the person speaking, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, We Agnostics. We are on page 53, 5, 3, and we will be starting with the third paragraph, arrived at this point, reading through two paragraphs, ending on the top of 54, with had been involved all the time. And I will now ask Barbara E. to please read for us. Thank you, Barbara. Thank you so much. Uh, and good morning to you all. Page 53, 
Arrived at this point, we were squarely confronted with the question of faith. We couldn't duck the issue. Some of us had already walked far across the bridge of reason toward the desired shore of faith. The outlines and the promise of the new land had brought luster to tired eyes and fresh courage to flagging spirits. Friendly hands had stretched out in welcome. We were grateful that reason had brought us so far, but somehow we couldn't quite step ashore. Perhaps we'd been leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. That was natural, but let us think a little more closely. Without knowing it, had we not been brought to where we stood by a certain kind of faith? For did we not believe in our own reasoning? Did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? Yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful to the God of reason. So in one way or another, we discovered that faith had been involved all the time. This is a perfect description of me. For me, it was always a question of faith. I had a faith. I had a faith in myself. I had a faith in the fellowship. I had a faith in the tools and the slogans. I had a faith that with the help of an abstinent food plan and being honest with my sponsor and doing all the tools in in my arsenal, I would know enough. My intellect said, you are better, you are stronger, you are Wonder Woman, you will succeed. But then my intellect also said, Barbara, don't drive by that fast food restaurant. You know there's a 7-Eleven attached to that gas station. Take a different route home. Barbara, don't convince yourself you can have one and stop with one. You can't do that. Please be careful. I always compare in a childlike manner Tinkerbell from Peter Pan, flying around in her little tutu, lighting up the sky, and Captain Hook with his nasty hook ready to grab me by the neck. And Tinkerbell would say, Barbara, be careful. You know what eating does to you. You know what your toxic food and food behaviors are doing to you. Think. Think ahead. Think of how you'll feel. But Captain Hook always seemed to grab me by the neck because my obsessive mind would always lead me back to the food. And someone once said to me, Barbara, you do have a God. And I said, I do? And they said, yes, it's your refrigerator. That's not the God I needed. I needed desperately to cross over that bridge of reason to the other side where I had faith in a higher power that was not plugged in, that did not involve food, that involved me believing that there was something special out there for me. I just had to give desperate and I was killing myself. God knows doctors told me had I had been killing myself why couldn't I get to that point? Well, I, real, I realized I had to. 
I had to or I would die. So I took that leap off the bridge, off the very top of the bridge, and I didn't know whether the water would be there to envelop me and I'd come to the surface or I'd drown. But I had to do it. I had to take that first step without seeing the bottom. I knew I must, but could I do it? Would I be willing to do it? Was I brave enough to do it? I honestly didn't know, but I knew that it was killing me and I really, really had no choice. So the choice for me was to be as brave as the Wright brothers, be willing to fail and try again. The moonshot, some some of the... Gentle reminder. Oh, thank you so much. To, in closing, my old ideas of self-sufficiency were not working. I needed to throw them away. It was scary, but I could do it, and you too can do it, my friends. You too can do it. Twelve sizes later, I'm here to tell you the truth. Time. Anything is possible. Okay, so giving me your first name, last initial, saying it just one time, please. Who would like to share on what was read today? Katie G. from Boston. Katie G. Who is right behind Katie? Amanda B. Amanda B. Anyone else? Sandy S. Sandy S. Harlan G. Harlan G. Couple more. Okay, we've got a shy group this morning. This is who I have. Katie G, Amanda B, Sandy S, and Harlan G. If you are not Katie G, would you please ensure that your phone is muted with a star one? Thank you. Go ahead, Katie G. Thank you. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, my fellows. KDG, Recovered, Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic, and Bulimic in Boston. Yeah, I love this idea. Um, I feel like the book traps me, or it doesn't trap me. It, like, outsmarts me, which is just amazing, because who's going to outsmart KDG? But I love that it says, yes, we had been faithful, abjectly faithful. So I looked up abjectly, and it means spiritless servile and I'm thinking about my thinking right like I spent my whole life if I had a problem I needed to think about it I um, you know if it was if it was the food then I needed to starve myself binge purge I was constantly looking for ways to think my way out of my problems when I was completely lonely I looked for relationships to stuff into myself I I worshiped my mind um, and faith is just a strong conviction and and I remember coming home in college and I went to an all-women's college and I just opened my mouth and I just spewed because I was like, I was so empty inside and all I could do was talk and talk and talk. And really deep down in me was this empty vessel who was completely afraid that you would find out that I was a complete fraud. And I was willing to talk anybody out of things that I thought were dumb, like God and um, anything that wasn't me, right? And um, so, you know, I love, I think it's in Bill's story, they talk about how 
he finally like gets brutalized by this disease that he goes into a deserted barn to die. And that's kind of what happened to me with the disease is like my desperation kept getting worse and worse, um, both in abstinence and not in abstinence, that my, my measures to stay abstinent, my measures to um, stay clean and sober got more and more desperate, whether I was using exercise addiction and um, lying at work and all of those behaviors. And, and what I love is that it says to me, like, Katie, you've been worshiping all along. You are a worshiper. So you might think that, you know, you're, you're not worshiping anything, but you are. And it outsmarts me. And that, for me, that is completely brilliant. Because then who am I to say that I can't transfer my faith into something that's actually going to work? Because as I know, my mind does not work. Like, uh, yes, I am an intelligent woman and um, have gotten a few degrees and whatever. But the thing is, when it comes to this disease, when it comes to um, my selfishness, my self-centeredness, my dishonesty, my fear, I have lenses through which I look at the world that are warped, right? And as a recovered woman today, I know that. I know I have second thoughts when I, when I have first thoughts that are selfish and self centered, I have second thoughts because God has entered into me. So thank you, God, that I can have, I can shift my faith and that I'll just close with this more, a stubborn, you know, willful, like uh, mind worshiping woman can transition from worshiping her own mind to worshiping something as powerful as God, a God that I can't even understand and I don't need to try. So I'm going to keep showing up with all of you one day at a time. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Katie G. Amanda B, it is your turn, followed by Sandy S. Hi, this is Amanda B. Can you hear me? I can. Thank you. Thank you so much, everybody, for being here. This is Amanda B. up uh, up in Canada, and um, I uh, what I really got out of the reading was whether we think we have faith or don't have faith, we have faith in something, um, and whatever I'm married to is whatever I have faith in. If it's exercising, if it's control, if it's um, self-hate, if it's eating lots, if it's thinking that I can do it, whatever I believe in so strongly, that's my faith. And I can change what I believe in. And I know people have said, oh, how do you change what you believe in? You know, I just, I don't know. I don't know how I change it. And, And that's where God's job comes in for me. I invent a new God, a God who is a loving, protective, powerful God. And then I have faith in that. And it says in the big book, we just chose it because it works. Choose a conception of your of your own God, one that works for you, uh, paraphrased. And, you know, the other piece that I related to is this is not a program of the mind. Um, I always say I'm one of the smartest people I know, and it's got me zero in program. It's got me zero in recovery. This is a program of my heart. And every step to the uh, person who is not an alcoholic or is not in our program or not a compulsive overeater seems totally backwards. I have a problem, give up power. I don't know how to do this. Turn it over to something I can't see, believe, or hear at that time. And, and each step seems so illogical, and it's illogical for me because it's not a program of my mind. It's not something that I can think myself through. It's something that I can do. I, I'm like a rock in the ocean, and 
as the waves and the program wash over me, I, I get to be all smoothed out, but I don't get to make the waves come close to me and smooth me out. So I just feel grateful for those two things. One, that I can have faith in anything that I choose, uh, and I can see what I'm married to and what's not working for me and what my my own idea of a loving, powerful God could be. And, and, and I can marry that faith. I can have faith and promise in that. Um, and for me, faith is just really, really believing in something without having results. And the results are the people I see in the program. The results are other things that I've seen in my life. Um, and just that second piece of this is not about my mind. This is about my heart. And so I can't think my way through it. I can set aside my mind and everything I think I know for a new experience to see the truth. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amanda B. Sandy S., it is your turn, and then it will be Harlan G. And please, if you are not Sandy S., there's some rustling and clearing of throats going on. Would you please be so kind and to mute your phone? Sandy S., it's your turn. Thank you. Thanks. Hi. Sandy S. from North Carolina and Florida. And the, the parts of the reading that stood out to me was leaning too heavily on reason that last mile, and we did not like to lose our support. What was my support? My support had been food for a long time. That's not been the case. Thank God. My support is like doing things, you know, like this constant frenetic feeling, you know, nothing is going to happen unless I am constantly doing the next right thing. And I really need to let go of that support. It's very difficult for me to relax, surrender, let go, let God. And um, I've been sharing the, the whole death process of my mother. And it is truly amazing what happened yesterday at the memorial service. Just how everything came together how I really, my whole heart was into conveying the story of my relationship with my mother, the friends, the family that were there. It couldn't have been better. It was so far exceeded my expectations in terms of how my heart was affected. Everything went so well. When I got home, after hosting people, which is something is really difficult for me. And everyone left. Do you think I could rest or relax? No. I had to go on to the next. I was exhausted. Thank God for the 10 steps. That's all I want to say. When I'm worshiping my actions, thank God I called someone from this program who said to me, eat your lunch and take a nap. And that's what I did. Thank God, even though I worship all my actions, there's a part of me that makes the choice every day to have faith in this program rather than faith in myself. And faith, I love the last line in the paragraph, faith had been involved all the time. And it's, the big question is, am I going to let go of my old ideas absolutely one moment at a time? And a lot of this for me is the sixth step. Am I willing, am I totally willing to have God remove these defects of character? And I am. 
I mean, whatever it takes for today, I am because my life for today is so much better than it's ever been. And I'm ready for a new day. I don't care how long I've been abstinent or how long I'm working the program. It's one day at a time. And I'm just so grateful for this group, this particular group where everyone. Gentle reminder. With my desire to recover. Thanks. Thank you, Sandy S. Harlan G., it is your turn. Thank you, Maura, and thank you to Teams Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. So glad to be here. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I came to my first meetings of Overeaters Anonymous with towels shoved between layers of flab to keep the skin from rubbing together and when that skin would rub together it would turn red and it would get infected and it would get wet from pus and my ankles were so swollen that as I sat there in 1979 there were dime and penny size ulcers in the back of my legs and to this day I'm discolored and there is scarring and that edema wrecked through my system. And shortly after I came in, I got cellulitis and staph infection from those open wounds. I smelled like a zoo. I was incontinent. I was 24 years old, and I was peeing and pooping in my pants on a daily basis. My food habit was my food habit, not my cocaine habit, not my heroin habit, in the 1970s was $100 to $150 a day, and my income was nowhere near that. I wrote bad checks. I lied when the truth was better. I was exhausted, trying to outthink and outmaneuver a disease that I didn't know I had, wouldn't have admitted it if I had to, and had no, no feeling toward God, but utter contempt and utter hatred toward a God that I felt had screwed me over. I was tired. Faith that I saw in other people as they beckoned to me and said, come and do what we're doing, gave me energy. I'm going to go back to page 11 very quickly. I know it's time is sensitive. But my friend sat before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up like myself. He had admitted complete defeat. And he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. Had this power originated in him? Obviously it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me at that minute, and that was none at all. This is every factor that we're talking about. I have 19 years of abstinence. I have done so happily. I've lost 500 pounds. I have not missed one ounce of it. This is the greatest way of life imaginable, and with that, I will pass. Thank you, Harlan G. 
Okay, so for those who might have come on the line during this time, we are on page 53 in chapter We Agnostics, and we are reading from the third paragraph that starts arrived at this point through two paragraphs ending on page 54 with had been involved all the time. And by first name and last initial, star one, who would like to share? Pete B. Pete B. Larry K. Larry D. Larry Amanda. K. Amanda. Before Amanda, there was someone. Larry D. I'm sorry? Larry D. Laura V. Laura V. Leah, Leah, can you hear me? L-E-A-H. I can hear you. Leah, oh, Leah, I'm so sorry. Leah. Leah D? Princess Leah. 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 Okay. Um, and after Amanda, Melissa C. Okay, I have Pete B, Larry K, Leah D, Amanda M, and Melissa C. If you're not Pete B, would you please press star one and mute Pete B, please go ahead. Thank you, moderator. Can you hear me okay? I can. Thank you. Uh, my name's Pete B. I'm a compulsive overeater in Pennsylvania, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. And thanks for taking the meeting. I, I love that, that vision, the, the vision that, you know, this bridge of reason to the shore of faith. It's just a great, like, vision for me. And, you know, earlier on in our literature, it says that we are, that the alcoholic is unable to distinguish the true from the false. Right. I don't my reason. My reasoning is so warped and so broken in this disease. You know, like like all I for my entire life, I have I have treated my problem with the problem. Right. When I when I try on a pair of pants and they're tight, I want to eat a pint of ice cream. Right. When I'm when I'm angry and hurt or i'm sorry when i'm when i'm hurt and and i need companionship i treat that with isolation it's like my whole entire life my idea of the of the solution was always the problem when i drank when i drank too much i would have a nervous condition that only went away from drinking by so so what caused the problem i used to treat the problem it's total complete insanity Right. But I did reason my way through and tried to think through this is what's going to fix it. Right. Like if I'm lonely, yeah, just treat that with uh, I'm lonely. I need companionship. Let me go out and have anonymous sex with somebody I don't know, which makes me feel even more lonely and, 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 and afraid. Right. So but I could, uh, you know, if you sit down and look at the facts, right, like. The reason like I am not the I cannot be the solution to my problem. Overeaters Anonymous can't be the solution to my problem. Like, think about it. Like, you know, we're a group of people that can't solve our own problem. The highest, the highest ranking you could get is member. There are no leaders. The fact that it's still organized and still together is just nothing more than a miracle. Right? And that can't solve my problem. My problem can only be solved. The obsession can only be removed by a power greater than myself. You know, you have, we have to, you know, I, I, at a certain point in time, sit down and take a look at the facts. I have been the source of all of my problems. 99.9% of my problems were of my own making. 
And that other 1%, I have a relationship with the God of my understanding that allows me to forgive and live victoriously. Like, I'm so happy and grateful to be on the other side of this thing. I, I'm so happy and grateful for this meeting. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Pete B. Larry Kay, your turn. Thanks, Maura. Thanks so much for your service. You know, when I, I, I needed your faith before I could develop my own, I needed to see and experience through you the problem that had been solved. It, it makes me think of a story I heard a, a while back. It's a, the, the case of a, a woman who who bought the pair, a pair of Nelson Mandela's shoes, even though the shoes obviously didn't fit her. And when she felt depressed and needed confidence, she stood in his shoes. And she slowly became more confident enough to, to go on with some trials and tribulations. I needed to step into your shoes. See, because information is a relationship between the sender and the receiver. I was the receiver. You were the sender of that information. And the, and the shoes didn't, didn't vary. But my interpretation of the meaning of stepping proverbially into your shoes did. See, you can't, you can't, and you can't step into the same shoes twice. Every time I would hear your story, you know, and I would, I would step into your shoes, I'd experience new things. I would hear new things. And slowly but surely, I began to take action after action after action, the same actions that you took. And every time I took action, it was as though I was stepping into your shoes because I began to experience and interpret things perhaps the way you had, but I had to have my own experience. And so it was with, with faith, the cultivation of my faith too. I needed to step into your shoes. We need each other. That's why it says we, you know, we of Alcoholics Anonymous, right? We, it's not an I program. It's a we program because I need you. I need your experiences. I need your shoes. But then I go out and begin to have the courage to take my own steps in my own shoes. And then I know. And I may revisit your shoes. I'd like to hear the stories. Brings me new perspective, a new interpretation but it creates courage. The confidence I have today is the confidence that comes from my higher power. Sometimes we need, we need, to, we need that. We need each other to, be, to experience those things. And that's what I need every day. That's why I come on the line. It's not to stay abstinent one more day. It's because I need to hear the stories, I need to tell the stories and hear the stories so I can remain in fit spiritual condition and grow. With that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Larry. Leah D., it's your turn, followed by Amanda M. Hi, good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Oh, good. It was a little muffled. My name is Leah D., recovered in Brooklyn, and I had no faith at all. I don't even know what that word means. I lived in despair, I think, from the first day I came onto this earth. Somehow the food always caused my life to be in turmoil. From the age of five on, I was a fat girl, inadequate, different. Five-year-old children should not be restricted the way my life was restricted. 
I don't know what the word faith means. People always had words they believed and lived by. I didn't have any words. I was really, really, really a mess. I'm an intelligent girl. I skipped seventh grade. I made the SP. I sang in the choir. I did a lot of things. But I always lived with pain, internal pain. I was different. I was fat. I didn't have faith. The words are nice. I don't know how people got it. I'm not a little girl anymore. I have faith today. I have a God today. I have recovery. And I've only had a recovery for two and a half years, being in these rooms for 44 years. Something's wrong with the picture. I had self-intellect. I thought I could think it away. I really thought I could figure this out of my head. You know, when I came into the rooms and I heard the words, I'm powerless over food. They didn't used to say, I'm an overeater. My name is Leah. I'm powerless over food. In those years, I was Lisa. I wasn't Leah. Lisa for years. But powerless. Thank God someone told me what it was. That was the faith. The faith that you helped me. You're a human being. You're recovering. You're getting it. You can do it. I can do it. And you're going to hold my hand. For the first time in my life, when I came in these rooms 44 years ago, someone held my hand and said, you're not alone anymore. The not alone part was my faith. Today I work a different recovery. That I'm not going to share right now, but faith. It's a very strange word. A very strange word. I'm so glad to be here today to be able to say that I can wake up today and have faith. To know that every day I will dial this line and you will be here. With that, I'll pass. Thank you for your service today. Thank you, Leah D. Amanda M., it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Can I be heard? Amanda, yes. Okay, thanks. This is Amanda, compulsive overeater in Dallas. I love this line, did we not have confidence in our ability to think? What was that but a sort of faith? You know, I always think I'm the smartest person in the room, no matter what room I'm in. I could be in a Menza room, and I would think I'm the smartest person. And I recently had a health scare, and I went back to that faith, the faith in Amanda, and I started doing and thinking what I can do. How can I fix this? Let me do something. Let me do, 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 and fix, fix, fix this myself. And I was speaking to my sponsor last night, and he said, you know, this isn't a doing program. This is a program of action. And we let God do the work. God is the doing in this thing. So um, he said, you know, just take the action of continuing to practice the principles. Just take the action of uh, going to work. Just take the action of getting yourself out of bed and getting dressed and let God do the work. And it's very scary for me because I don't know what God's work is. I don't know what God is doing. And to just sit back and take action and let God do is a very scary thing for me. But God brought me through the food. God recovered me with food. And all I need to do is the one thing that I do is just let God do the doing. Let God do the work. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Amanda M. Melissa C., it is your turn. Hi, good morning, Mara. Thank you for your service. This is Melissa C. Recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, 
You know, so I, I think about getting, you know, taking a step on that bridge and, um, you know, what's the reason, what's the reasoning that even got me to, to take one foot and put it on that bridge is because where I was at, I wanted to get away from. I wanted to escape. And, you know, and so you've got to embark on something to, to take you out from, from like, this crappy place, your existence. And, and that's what it was for me, you know. And yet only, you know, only an addict, only someone who is, you know, crossing over from a land that's, like, filled with pain, you know, morbid obesity, humiliation, uh, health, you know, health consequences, life spiraling into crap. You know, I take a couple of steps on the bridge, and then I'm like, mm, I don't know. This doesn't seem reasonable. You know, I- I'm afraid. Like, like, you know, when I look back on it, afraid of what? You know, afraid of escaping? Like, like I really, would I really want to go back to being in charge, you know? And then this also makes me think about the part where, you know, in the book where it says that his roots grasped new soil, you know, there's a period of time where our roots have no soil. You know, if we're being removed, if we're shaking off the support of the things that were polluted, that weren't useful, that weren't helpful, you know, before we're transplanted into new soil and before we cross over to that new land, we're really vulnerable. We're sort of without any support. And that's where faith steps in. You know, the first time that I had some struggle, some discomfort, and I didn't eat, that was like the hugest act of faith I could have because, you know, before that, my my roots grasped the soil of food. That was my support. That was my higher power. That's what I turned to whenever there was any discomfort. You know, and so it really starts with that first bold act of putting the food down entirely, you know, and, and beginning the work of the steps. And, you know, what once seemed unreasonable has turned out to be the most reasonable thing I could ever do. You know, relying on something bigger than me, greater than me, um, continues to be the primary thing I kind of do on a daily basis. You know, every time I'm afraid or, or angry or restless or irritable, um, and I don't eat, it's it's a huge act of faith. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And we have time for three or four more shares. Who would like to share on what was read today? Star one? Monica T. Monica T. Liz T. Liz T. I'm sorry, say again. Terry H. Is that Terry? Sherry. Sherry H. Sherry. Sherry H. Okay. Who else? Gina S. Gina S. Let's stop there. Um, I think we can get everyone in, but I'm not certain. So uh have Monica T, Liz T, Sherry H, and Gina S. If we all take two minutes, then we should be good to go. Monica T., it's your turn. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Florida. So we're in the chapter, We Agnostics, you know. I without knowledge here. 
And boy, a few paragraphs before, you told me that God is everything or God is nothing. Oh, boy, make the old hair stand up on my neck here. I'm not too happy about this. It doesn't sound like much fun for Monica. And then I want to figure this out. What is this higher power, this God, you know? Well, uh, I haven't. I can't figure that out. I never have. And so here they're saying, you know, we're telling you you need some faith in this higher power. And I'm going, ah, I don't know. That hasn't worked so well. Well, stop to think, Monica. Have you not had faith in other things? Don't you have faith in your own thinking? Yeah. And by George, didn't I have faith in that food? I did. Every day. And how did that work for me? Didn't work very well. So we've got a plan here. We've got something that works. How's your way working, Monica? Well, it wasn't. But we've got something that works. And you know what? I was attracted to that. They were at peace. There was a twinkle in their eye. I didn't have any of that stuff. I couldn't understand this stuff, but they had something I wanted. So, all right, look at this as a scientific experiment, if that's what you need to do. What do you have to lose? And I like the little story about, you know, you're new in town, <clears throat> excuse me, and your car needs, needs um, work. So you ask the neighbor, you know, do you know a good mechanic who won't cheat me and screw me and whatnot? Yeah, I got a really good one. So on the belief of what this neighbor has said to me, I go to this guy. I get my car fixed, and it's wonderful, he's honest, he's, he doesn't try to cheat me, blah, blah, blah. So the next time my car has an issue, I have a faith. This is based on knowledge that I have experienced here that he's going to do good. So try this same type of theory with this God thing. You know, the first night my head hit that pillow and I was abstinent. Did I do that by myself? No. Something greater than me has. And whenever I turn to this higher power and ask for help and really mean it, I get it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Liz T., it's your turn, followed by Sherry H. Liz T., star one. Good morning. This is Liz T. in Minnesota, recovered compulsive overeater, and um, <clears throat> I love I love this paragraph. It it reminds me of um, my old ideas and my old prejudices when I first came into program, and um, and and still today there are old ideas and old prejudices that that uh, have to be smashed and. Um, Next to this paragraph in my book, I have written, um, we walk by faith and not by sight. So um, when I was going through the steps process, um, my uh, a big part of my step two was just believing that this worked for, worked for others, worked for my sponsor, worked for the first 100, worked for thousands and millions of, of reco- recovered addicts. Um, since this book was written, and maybe it could work for me too. So that little glimmer, little glimmer of hope that maybe this can work for me too, and I can have a solution for my living problem—not just my food problem, but my relationship problems, my um, fear problems with fear around letting go. Um, and 
I did a 10-step recently with a fellow, and, and um, he shared with me a little um, a little ditty for a fear. Um, stands for frustration, ego, anxiety, and resentment. And boy, could I relate to that because when I was in fear, um, I was relying on my finite self and not my infinite God, and no wonder I felt anxiety. And um, it just reminds me, too, as we, we come, we come to believe, and as we experience it and for ourselves, um, we, become to, we, we begin to have faith. And just like abstinence, no one, no one could give me abstinence. No one could. Um, that was something I had to work out with my higher power and, and, and a gift from my higher power when I was ready, when I was desperate enough. Um, and same with this. Nobody can give me a spiritual awakening on a silver platter like I'd like it. <laughs> you know, I'd like, I'd like to get the degree without having to take all the classes, but I actually need to walk through each and every step abstinently um, with the Recovered Sponsor Guide and um, go through each step thoroughly and, and quickly to have my own experience um, and discover the truth. So um, I just am grateful to be here today grateful for this experience and um, keep charging one day at a time. I'll pass. Thank you, Liz T. Sherry H., it's your turn, followed by Gina S. Uh, This is Sherry H., um, compulsive overeater from Norfolk, Virginia. I'm, um, and listening to what I've heard this morning, I have, I'm reminded of a quote that I recently heard is that to be angry at someone is to drink poison expect, expecting them to die or for them to suffer. And it reminded me that one of my eating points was how much my dad made me feel, how inadequate I felt, how ugly, how unimportant I felt. And it just got to a boiling point and became one of my triggers for my last huge relapse and the the irony of it is that he had no clue what I was going through whereas I was diving into a trough of ice cream so I was suffering and he wasn't feeling anything but my anger was driving me thinking that if I just took it out in this way, he would feel it. It's, it was sick thinking. And um, at this point, I'm, I'm grateful to be coming back into the rooms and listening to these stories. And so grateful my higher power had me returning to a vision for you in this chapter in the agnostics, because I never realized that for the first two steps for me, basically with my food, I'm agnostic. I grew up in church and in religion. But I never applied or thought or even imagined applying my relationship with God and using that higher, my higher power and the rest of my world in my food. Um, apparently, I guess it wasn't reply, applying in the rest of my world because the rest of my world was just as unmanageable as my food. But it really put everything in a new light and showed me what true faith really means. Sadly enough, a lot of people hear the word faith and shut their ears because they automatically think of religion. Faith is more than religion. Faith is 
trusting in what is not there is faith in what faith is unseen it's um the evidence of things unseen so um yeah with that i'll pass thank you thank you miss sherry gina s it is your turn Tina, star one. Tina? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Thank you. Hello? Okay. Well, it sounds like Ms. Gina is having... Okay, no, I'm good. Gina? I'm good. <laughs> yes, can you hear me? I can, thank can you. you. All right. Hi, this I is can, Gina yes, F. thank you. Okay, this is Gina F. in Connecticut, and I will try to be brief. Um, so the being squarely confronted with the question of faith um, and not being able to duck the issue, well, I, I think that I was squarely confronted, and I, I did end up ducking that issue for eight years my first eight years in this program. Um, so I had a belief in higher power, but I didn't have a faith that worked on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think that for me, there was a difference between belief and faith. Um, I believed that there was a higher power, but when I was confronted with um, the day-to-day -day troubles, with any sort of disturbance, I kept relying on my own reason. Um, and I didn't rely on faith. Um, just for an example, I had a, a, a rash a couple of weeks ago. I went to the dermatologist, but first I went on to the internet and did my own research and I had already made my own diagnosis. So when that doctor gave me a different one, well, I just couldn't accept it. He must be wrong. I, ha I had looked up the symptoms. It must be this. And I was in the parking lot calling uh, around to get a second opinion when I, Thankfully, because I practice this program every day, was able to uh, have some clarity about what I was doing. I had no faith in, uh, in my higher power and in the professionals that he put in my life. I was still trying to rely on myself and my own reason. Um, so the difference between the purgatory and the recovery for me was uh, being able to have to set aside everything I thought I knew about myself, self-reliance and reliance on a higher power. That's where the faith came in, the trust to be able to take action that didn't coincide with my own ideas of how things should go. With that, I'll pass. Thank you. Well, thank you, Gina S. And uh, you will be our last share for the day. So thank you to everyone who shared today. And just as an FYI, at our peak, we are 345 strong this morning. And so, hello? Someone's unmuted? Okay. Um, thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. Today's share ID, important number. One one three two zero. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page one sixty four. Janice PM, will you read for us, please?
the books is meant to be suggestive only. Absolutely, and thank you for the opportunity. <clears throat> Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and then great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God. As you understand God, admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.